Center. Good morning, everyone. We all are very busy people, right? How many had a very busy week? Rest of you had a very good week? A lot of time in hand? It really doesn't matter if you are in school, college, workplace, or even if you are retired. Life can be really busy, right? Uh, When I say this, uh, as I say this, you might have some deadlines, you might have some uh, important schedules, you might have some emails to check or respond, or you might have some client meetings lined up for tomorrow, Uh, phone calls, appointments, assignments. We all are very busy people. But before we know, uh, we have this task, all these tasks coming from all directions, right? And uh, they are around us, above us, over us, under us, you know. We have assignments, right? We have deadlines to catch up. And before we know, we are really consumed. We are exhausted. We are done. You know, by Monday, if you talk to someone, by end of the day, he says, I'm done for the week. Right? That's how we are. We are really busy people. And I'm very sure uh, we all can relate to this. And uh, whenever there's a survey to be done, I'm very sure uh, folks from US, they will be upfront because they do research over everything. So uh, one of the, uh, you know, uh, you know scientists or a researcher uh, did a survey on uh, what is the most common answer that comes when you ask someone, how has your week been? Right? And the most common answer is this, it's been busy. It's been busy. That's the most common answer. We all can relate to this. We all lead various different lives, but some people are more busier than others, but we all have something or the other to do and to accomplish. But what happens is, no matter which phase of your life you are in, whether you're in school or to the other end of the spectrum, you're retired, our lives can be really full. And what happens is, when you're so busy, it's very difficult for you to put in things which is really important back into your life. You know, you have 10 line items, right? But there might be two more line items that might be really important, but it's so difficult for you to adjust that into your schedule. That's how we live our life today. And we have been neglecting what, has, what is truly important, what truly matters. We start neglecting the things which should have the highest priority in our life. And because we neglect this particular aspect, what happens is we end up getting frustrated and flustered because of neglecting some of the topmost priorities in our life. What happens? What is the result? Because you get frustrated and you get flustered because you want to do those, do those things and deep down inside you're good people, right? You want to do those things. You want to have those things as line items, important stuff in your life, but you just don't have time And the result is, you're frustrated and you're flustered. I'll take one example. Okay, so this is about a professor. Okay, and uh, he was uh, teaching a very bright set of students every year, and uh, typically engineers, right? And uh, every time a new batch used to come in, and he used to repeat the same example year on year. Okay? And he used to begin his lecture series by saying to his students, I'm going to tell you this morning the most important things that you will hear all semester. So take notes. Okay? Then what he does is, he goes under his desk, take out one big jar. Okay? One big empty jar. Okay? Then he goes on under the desk and he takes out one big box which, has full of ro- which is full of rocks. You know, rocks which is almost the uh, you know, size of his fist. Okay? Somehow he manages to take rock one by one and he fills the jar with those rocks. You know, a dozen of them. Okay, then he asks an important question to the students. Students, do you think this jar is full? It's filled to the top and uh, 
students being all smart ones, they said, yes, professor, it's full. You know what does the professor say? No, it's not. Then he goes under his desk, take out a bag of uh, gravels, right? Uh, The small stones, and he starts filling the jar with those. And between those gaps of the big rocks, this, this small tiny stone starts dripping in. And now the jar is heavy and pretty much full. So he asked the students, students, now do you think this is full? Now these are a, a smart bunch of kids, right? So they know it's, it's not. So they tell professor, you know, professor, it's not yet. And professor says, yes, you're correct. It's not full yet. Then again he goes under his desk, takes out a bag of sand and again pours out into the same vessel. Now it's really full and compact. Then he asked students, students, is it now full? Some of them said, I think there's still some space. The professor said, correct, there's still some space left. Then he goes under his desk, takes out one big bottle of water and pours it into this jar. Now it's completely to the brim. And he says, students, is it now full? They say, yes. Then he says to the students, what is the point of this illustration that I give? A simple question to the students. You know, so all the students, you know, they are very excited. Some of them raised their hands. And then one of them said, Professor, the great lesson that you have taught is this. No matter how busy we are, there's always room to add something else into our life. It's a smart answer, right? No matter how busy we are, there's always room to add something else into our life. You know what Professor said? That's a wrong answer. It's a smart answer, but it's wrong. Then the professor answers. You know what the lesson is? If you need the rocks in the jar, you need to put them first. You got the point? If you need the rocks to be in those jars, you need, if you need those 12 rocks to be part of that jar, you need to put the rocks first. Because if you put the gravels first, sand first, water first, there will be no room for the rocks left. It's a very profound lesson for you and me also. Because the rocks could be a representation of some of the most important things in our life. And as we are busy, we don't put priority of the rocks first in our life. We'll, and if we don't put these rocks, the topmost priorities, into the jar first in our lives, we'll never be able to fit them. Because there will never be a space remaining for them. So the question I have for you this morning is, what are those rocks in our life that we need to put in our jars first? What are those rocks in our life that we need to put in our schedule first? Or let me rephrase it. As a believer, as Christians, what are these rocks? Can you identify these rocks that needs to be part of your jar? Or not just be a part that needs to go in first. What are those priorities for you and me? I'm very sure if I start asking individually, for everyone it might be very different. But this portion that we read this morning from Gospel of Luke chapter 10 was 38 to 42. These five verses gives us a clear picture on what that priority has to be. You know, usually we summarize the sermon at the end, right? I'll give you the summary of the sermon up front. The Christian, a Christian's highest priority is to be devoted to Jesus Christ. Period. A Christian's, a believer's highest priority has to be devotion to Jesus Christ. That has to be the first rock that needs to go inside the jar. Rest of the things is a subset to this particular rock. Rest of the priorities in your life has to be subset of this major important priority. This necessary thing has to go in first. But if you leave this out, I'm very sure we are so busy, it can never be part of your life. 
it will be on and off. Sometimes you are able to adjust it. Sometimes there is no space left. So when you ask questions, have you done your quiet time this week? I was so busy. Did you pray this week? I was so busy. I didn't get time. I just know. I just. I just don't know how the time is flying by. I try to do it, but it doesn't fit. I'm just not able to do. Why? Because this rock is not the highest priority in your life. And if it is, it has to go in, into your life first. And rest of the things are the subset of this highest priority. And that's what the summary of this passage is. But how can we make sure that we are putting things, putting, uh, not putting other things into our life that remove the room of our highest priority? How can we ensure that we are not putting other things into our life and removing the space or the room for our highest priority? And the answer to that question is in this passage, the next five verses. So turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. 38 to 42. It's an interesting story. It's a very common story. I'm very sure most of us would have come across this passage. If you have not studied it, that's okay. Today we'll learn about this passage. But I'm very sure most of you would have learned and studied this passage. Right? So there are two important characters that comes out of this passage. You know, there are two sisters, Mary and Martha. Right? And we also know, if you read the Gospel of John, they also had a brother, and his name was Lazarus. And we discovered in John, Gospel of John chapter 11, this family was very close to Christ Jesus. Right? I won't get, I won't get into the details, but when Jesus heard the news of Lazarus being dead, you know, the response of Jesus was very unique in the scripture. You know, he wept. That much he loved this family. So I'm just setting the context, right? Now in this passage we read that uh, this family has welcomed their, uh, opened their uh, doors uh, for Jesus to come in. And uh, we read that he often used to do fellowship there, so he was very close to them. But the most important thing is about these two sisters, Mary and Martha. Like most of the sisters or most of the siblings, they have two different characters, how many of you have two girls, uh, uh, you know, two daughters in the family? Minimum two, three, yeah? There are a few hands. You ask them, I'm very sure the characteristics of both individuals will be very different. And that's what we read in the scripture also. Now, if you read about Martha, she is the most energetic one. She is the spirited one. She is always on the face. She is always on the go. She's, she has that character, which is a very good character. Okay. On the other hand, we have Mary. She's the quiet one. She's the emotional one. She's the sensitive one. All are good characters, huh? On one hand, Mary, the spirited one, the energetic, on, always on the face. You know, nothing will hold her down. If there is something, she'll go and do it. Mary, on the other hand, she's sensitive. She'll sit back. She's the emotional one. And that's what we read in this passage as well. But also in other passages, in the grieving process, in Gospel of John, when you read about them, in the grieving process of these two sisters, what did Mary do when Lazarus was there? She remained in the room. She didn't want to go out. She wanted to mourn. But what about Martha? What did Martha do? Martha, you know, wore her shoes and she ran. And she went to Jesus and she, she said, Jesus, you need to do something about it. You know, even in the grieving process, we see two different characters coming out. Mary being the sensitive, emotional one. Martha being the spirited and the energetic one. Well, in this passage, if you read verse 38, we see Martha being the elder sister has invited Jesus to come over for a meal. Uh, and... Uh, Presumably, you know, Jesus often used to travel with his disciples. So, you know, disciples would have been there. And often, when Jesus used to travel, there used to be some of his close associates and other people who loved to listen to him because he was a radical preacher, right? He used to teach things which people would not have even thought about. His ways of teaching was very different. And there were always close associates who always used to travel with Jesus. Maybe they might also be there. Then we know for sure Mary and Martha were there when Jesus came to their home. 
And I can only assume that Lazarus was also present. Right? So in this text, verse 38, let's read. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and woman named Martha welcomed him into their home. Now this is the setting. Okay, this is the, I'm just setting the context. Okay, and from this context, we are going to draw some important principles on how to protect our topmost priority, that is devotion to Christ Jesus. Okay, and there are three, under three headings, we'll try to bring out some of the principles which you and me can follow. Okay, and these three headings is, number one, these are three M's by the way. Okay, number one, we are going to learn about Mary's devotion. Number two, we are going to learn about Martha's distraction. And number three, and the final one, we are going to learn about Master's declaration. Three M's. Mary's devotion, Martha's distraction, and Master's declaration. So let's jump into the first one, Mary's devotion. So let's go to verse 39, and that's where we find this, right? Verse 39 says, And uh, she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And uh, this is what the picture is. So Jesus is inside the house, and uh, you know he has uh, taken over the role of a teacher, right? And around him are individuals who are very keen to know what he is going to say. And Jesus is, assumingly, have started teaching the word of God. And uh, you know, most of the times, if you read the Gospels, you know what God is teaching. He's proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. The time that is going to come. He's talking about his father. And he's talking and he's telling them, you know what? Repent of your sin. For the time will come. And he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. You know, he's telling them about the good news. And Jesus is teaching all this in, in their house. The master teacher is at process of teaching them some valuable lessons. And when he is teaching, one thing Mary realizes is the teachings of Jesus Christ can only satisfy her deepest need of life. You know, that's important for us to you and me realize. When we look into the teachings, when we look into the word of God, it can only satisfy our deepest need. And Mary was able to understand that. And before we look at what Mary was doing, I want you to look at this particular, this particular verse because there is something very important mentioned there which will skip our mind if we don't pay attention. And that is, Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet. And this was radical. Mary sitting at the Lord's feet was radical. What was radical about it? What was so radical about this incident that Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet? You know, in the, in the culture where Mary was present, a woman was not allowed to sit at a rabbi's feet. And here we see Lord Jesus teaching, teaching the word of God, expounding the word in, in a way that they would have never listened. And he allows Mary to sit there and listen to some of the most important teachings. That was radical. Jesus allowed that. And when I look at that particular part, you know, it, it, it gives me so much of joy because it, it reminds us what Jesus has told many a times in the gospel that the good news and the word of God is for everyone. You know, it's not restricted to one group of people. Whether you're men or women, it's for you. Whether you're old or young, it's for you. Whether you're educated or uneducated, it's for you. The gospel is for everyone. You know, that's the beauty when Jesus used to teach. He didn't discriminate between the Jews and the Gentiles. He said, the love of God is for everyone. You know, and that's, that's, that's pretty much what Jesus was doing here. So the importance of Mary sitting at the rabbi's feet at that point in time, at the cultural context, it was very important for us to understand. Mary chose to sit there and Jesus allowed that to happen. 
Now Jesus is teaching and Mary is sitting at, her, at his feet. You know, there's an emphasis, right? And if you look at Mary's character, there's something that uh, we come to know, right? Number one, she's sitting at Lord's feet. Uh, that shows that she's submitting to his authority. You know, she's sitting at his feet. It's not, you know, far away. She's really sitting at his feet. And she's submitting to his authority and respecting him. And the fact that she's there tells us that she was listening. She was hearing. You know, many times when we come to church, it's so easy for us to be busy with other things and not hear the word of God that's been preached here. So many times, so many people share during time of worship, hardly few of us think or you know, hardly few of us listen to those. But here we see Mary sitting at the feet and listening to the word that Jesus was preaching. She had a hearing ear. She was listening. That's a very important quality that a believer should possess. Listening to the word of God. She is giving herself to devotion. You know, the first principle that we can draw from Mary's life is she was committed to worship. The first principle that can protect our highest priority in our life is commitment to worship. Are you committed to worship, to worship Lord Jesus Christ day in, day out? Every hour of your day, are you committed to worshiping Jesus? You know, it's not just about Sunday. It's not just about one day in a week, two hours in, in, in a week. No, it's not about that. Worship is not just on Sunday. And then scripture teaches us, you know, worship needs to be understood in two different ways. One is private worship. Do you agree with me? One, the first one is private worship. Second is public worship. And we cannot neglect either one of them. So what is this private worship? You know, it's important for us to understand and dwell on that. Private worship is an avenue when you by yourself, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what you're going through, you have access to this God Almighty. You have access to your own Savior. Interesting, right? You have complete access to your Savior. Have you ever called uh, customer care of any of your phone uh, services? It's very irritating, right? You call, and then there's a waiting music that comes, and then you have to press three, four options, and then eventually it might get disconnected, then again you dial, and finally you might get connected. Our Lord Jesus Christ is not like that. When you reach out to Him, there's no waiting music. Is there any waiting music? No. You can anytime, anywhere, no matter what situation you are in, you can get access to your Savior. Wow. That's private worship. You need to get down on your knees. Bible says, pray without ceasing. In 1 Chronicles 16 verse 34, it says, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. I am reminded of a psalm from David. If you turn to Psalms 71 verse 8, and David says it beautifully, and that should be our life as well. And he says that my mouth is filled with praise, declaring your splendor all day long. My mouth is filled with praise, declaring your splendor all day long. He doesn't say once in a week. He doesn't say once in a while. He says all day long. You know, when we are busy, and it's interesting, when we are busy, how easy it is for us to skip our quiet time. And I'm culprit of this. You know, when I say this, there have been times when I have also skipped, and this passage has challenged me. When I talk to individuals, and when I reflect on my own lives, 
many a times answer is they answer we say is you know it's been a day or two sometime it's been 3 days 4 days a week a month and there i say this it's been years for some of them to have really sat down and explore the word of god and pray to jesus christ confessing their sins giving him glory for what he has done see when i stand here i'm not judging anyone i'm very sure we might have different magnitude of the challenges when i talk about quiet time for some they might be regular for some you might be struggling in a week maybe day or two for some it might be weeks of not devoting your time to jesus for some it might be months and for some it might be years but what what this passage is saying you know what private worship is important you need to sing god's praise every single day every single moment like the scripture says pray without ceasing have access to your savior every moment of your life that's what scripture is teaching private worship but there's another aspect to worship that is public worship and public worship is important in the scripture right many a times we have seen in the old testament that god used to gather people of israel and ask them to worship and they used to worship god publicly and in the new testament we have seen you know jesus gathering his disciple and they used to worship the father together in revelation if you read uh, i think it's revelation 7 uh, if i'm not wrong it says that every tongue will uh, confess and every knee shall bow there will be one time when every knee will bow and confess that he is god there is going to be a time that's going to come public worship is very important if you read hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25 hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25 It says let us consider how we spur one another towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in habit of doing but encouraging one another and all more as you see the day is approaching you know god delights in public worship and that's what we did this morning when you and me we all came here for this corporate worship god was actually delighted because together as believers as blood bought children of jesus christ we came here and we said lord thank you thank you for what you did on the cross when we broke when we partook uh, partake uh, when we when we took part from the table when we broke the bread and when we drank from the cup we were reminded of what he did on the cross that's corporate worship giving him all glory and honor you know this morning jabel made a statement like like pigs you know our nature is go back to the dirt you know that's that's what we like you know scripture says we are like dogs who goes back to his own vomit that's what we that's who we are that's how nature is our nature is but what privilege you and me have as blood bought children of jesus christ that we have access to our savior not just privately but as public as corporate you need to come together and worship your savior and when you come as uh, and uh, when you do uh, public worship what are the things that we need to do you know when we when when two or more believers come together it's not not just on a sunday when two or more believers come together what are the things that you need to do you need you ought to read the word of god number 1 number 2 we need to sing the word of god we need to sing to him we need to pray the word of god we need to hear the word of god and most importantly we need to see the word of god in action in the life of those around us it's a, it was very challenging for me when i meditated on this particular aspect many a times even when we gather in a group of two or three what kind of conversations are we having the scripture is challenging we need to read the word of god 
we need to sing the word of god we need to pray the word of god we need to hear the word of god and we need to see the life changing because of the word of god mary was completely uh, devoted to jesus christ she understood that's the best thing that she could do at this point in time the savior himself telling about the word telling about the father telling about the time telling about the kingdom that is yet to come what she can do more is to sit at his feet and listen and absorb all the teachings of her savior mary's devotion second we come to martha's distraction and we read this in verse 40 the beginning part says but martha was distracted the term distracted here in this passage means pulled away from an action the term distracted here means pulled away from an action when i think of being distracted one example comes to my mind you know you imagine there is a need there's one specific need for you and you go for a shopping there's one item that you need to buy okay and for all good reasons there is a heavy discount in that mall okay there's 70% off one buy one get four free there's 80% off there is 100% off you know you enter and it's all sale everywhere and you have money in your pocket you went to buy one important thing you end up buying 10 and you leave the one because you think this sale it will never come back again and you go and buy it but you leave that one important thing that was there on your mind in the first place and you leave that and go you get distracted with the things around you you know other things that you bought are important for the home i'm not saying it's not important but is it necessary no necessary you left out and that's what happened to martha see i'm not going to put martha in a bad picture okay i'm not going to portray a picture of martha that she she is ungodly or she you know no 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 that's not what the scripture says the scripture says she was distracted and she goes up to jesus and she says you know what jesus you need to fix the problem let's read and but martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him that jesus and she said lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone tell her then to help me okay uh, she is uh, talking to a compassionate god and when we begin the uh, when we had begun the sermon we we built a relationship between jesus and this family right they were very close and i'm very sure martha would have seen the works of jesus christ his attitude his serving nature his loving nature and he's she's talking to a compassionate god and basically what she's saying is jesus don't you care don't you care about the situation that i'm in don't you care the kind of workload that i have really not just that she's bold enough to give a solution to her problem also she said jesus all you need to do is tell her to come inside and help me she went with the problem to jesus christ and she gave the solution also that's martha right she's she's always on the toes you know she's the spiritual one you know when we read this passage don't portray martha in a in a bad way right the bible clearly says at that moment she was what distracted why was martha so bothered uh, by this issue in her life i think she just want to make best meal for jesus she wants to serve them like the best meal possible i think she wants to do the best in serving i think you know and 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 she's alone and there are so many people i'm, I'm very sure there might be more than jesus sitting there and she wants to give them food and it's getting late maybe jesus might be end of his teaching and it's only he might be praying the last prayer and she's worried there's no one to help who will take out the chicken curry and the uh, and and the rice who will do the serving and she's having so many thoughts she's distracted she's busy in the kitchen she's making something important which is not 
necessary. Do you get it? She's, some, she's making something very important in her life which is not necessary. How are we like Martha and experience distraction? Do you experience distraction in your life? What are the weapons of mass distractions in your life? You know, when I talk about weapons of mass distraction, these are not sinful in nature. Okay? I'm talking about non-sinful sinful distractions in your life. Okay? Simple example, your emails, your mobile phones, social media, your Facebook, Instagram, TV, sports, might be a football match. For me, it's Manchester United match. You know. In, in totality, if you look at these particular items, or there can be many more, these are not sinful in itself. On the contrary, you can amazingly use this, uh, these areas or these in, you know, distractions to worship God in multiple ways. You can use this for glorifying God. You can use social media to glorify God. You can use so, uh, phone to glorify God. But I'm talking about when this particular, these things become just a distraction in your life. You know, you might start off with, you know what, I get up in the morning. What is the first thing that, I'll ask the youngsters, okay? I won't ask the old timers. What do you do? WhatsApp. Full time is WhatsApp, George. And you say, isn't it going and checking on your Facebook, your likes, Instagram, who is following, and God knows what all is there. I deleted my Instagram. I got frustrated. I didn't understand the concept of it. <laughs> no, but the point that I'm trying to make is, you start off with five minutes. Then it becomes ten minutes. Then the more you get used to it, it becomes fifteen minutes. You know it's half an hour. By the time you realize it's one hour, for some of them, is their life. Everything and anything has to go on social media. It might not be social media. It might be work. You're always busy on emails. What is the first thing that you get up and do in your life? It's a very important reflection of where your priority lies. First thing, when you get up in the morning, what do you do? When I asked myself this question, I was really challenged. And last week I was on a media first. Many of them asked why you're not responding to WhatsApp and all. I, I didn't tell this reason, but it challenged me so much. I just realized, first thing that I do is get up and check my WhatsApp. I had to go on a fast, but I'm not telling you to do that, but I'm just saying we have weapons of mass distractions in our life that sometimes take our attention or take highest priority in our life. But what is more important? Devotion to Christ Jesus. And we miss out putting that important rock into our life that is our jar first. And by the time you realize the day is over and you have no place left for this particular rock that is devotion to your Savior. Weapons of mass distraction. And then what happens is we begin to act like Martha. We are frustrated. We are flustered. We are angry sometimes with ourselves. Because deep down inside, you have a connection with Jesus Christ because you are saved. He has bought you with his own blood. You are saved. You have a connection with him. You want to do it, but you are not getting time. You get frustrated. You end up doing things which you regret right later on. These are non-sylphon distractions, but which eventually result in massive destruction in your life. When we look into the scripture... We know that there are some clear uh, distractions which are sinful in nature. And Bible is very clear that you need to flee from those distractions which are sinful in nature. There is no other solution to it. You have to flee from those distractions. You have to repent of your sins. Last time when I spoke, I spoke from the life of Joseph. When he was in temptation, what did he do? He fled the place. He didn't sit there and argue. He fled the place. 
So if there is a distraction which is sinful in nature, my dear brothers and sisters, the scripture is challenging you to flee that from that distraction. There is no other solution to it. But then there are distractions which are not sinful in nature, which are the most dangerous one. Subtly, it takes a lot of time from your schedule. And when you realize end of the day, the most important thing that really mattered in your life, that is devotion to Christ Jesus, there is no time left. And let me challenge each and every one of you. And this is why I also got challenged. There will be one time. I'm not talking about the day, uh, one particular day, but there will be one time when Christ Jesus will come. And we will have no time literally left in our hands to put this, the highest priority rock into our jar. You know, which is more important. Our life, we cannot put that because there won't be any time left when He comes back. Today we have time to reconcile and come back to track. But there will be one time when Jesus will come and He will judge and that time you will have no place left in your life or no time left to put this rock back into your jar of life. Martha's distraction. So we looked at Mary's devotion, Martha's distraction. Let's look at the third M, that is Master's declaration. We'll finish in five minutes. Verse 41 and 42. Let's read. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, are you anxious and troubled about many things? But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. We'll break this two verses subtly. And one thing that comes across, how does Jesus start his conversation with Martha? He says, Martha, Martha. You know, Jesus used to repeat, uh, you know, had, had a habit of repeating words if he had to emphasize something. Right? In the Gospel of John, there's one word which is repeated 25 times. Which is that word? Truly, truly. You know, in, uh, in the original uh, language, uh, Greek language, it meant Amen. Truly meant Amen. And he, we used to end our prayers with Amen. He used to start his conversation with Amen. You know, that's how he used to get people's attention. We'll say Amen at the end. He'll say Amen in the beginning. And that's how he used, he used to get the hold of the attention of the people. You know, for him, you know, for the Jews at that time... You know, repetition was, you know, very common, you know, and they had to emphasize on something, you know, they used to repeat the word and it revealed emotion, emphasis, and sometimes it also had a hard tone, you know, when you repeat a word, there, you, there, there could be a hard tone to it. You know, when Jesus rebuked Jerusalem by saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you remember that? And other times it is also used as, you know, conveyed, uh, to convey desperation. You know, in Matthew 7, uh, there is a group of people who think they are saved, but they were not. And when they are thinking about the judgment, when Jesus will come in all his glory, you know, they cry out, Lord, Lord. This was a cry of desperation. You know, so the repetition of word always meant something. And here we see Jesus Christ saying, Martha, Martha. It took me some time, even a few days to understand why did Jesus repeated her name, Martha, Martha. I think there's a sense of gracious and gentle rebuke when he said, Martha, Martha. A very gracious and a very gentle rebuke. What did Jesus do here? Jesus makes a declaration to Martha. He wants, us, wants her to know that this condition that she is in, anxiety, frustration that she is in, is because she is making things important in her life which is not necessary. That's Master's declaration. Master's declaration is nothing but in this passage. She, he's saying, you know what, Martha? You're making things necessary, in your, important in your life. You're making few things very important in your life. It might be important. He's saying, Jesus is not saying it's not important. Let me be very clear. Jesus is not saying the things that Martha was concerned are not important. He's saying whatever is important to you at this particular moment, it's not necessary. 
That's Jesus' declaration. Only one thing is necessary in verse 42 we read. And that's what in Jesus' word. Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary has chosen the good portion. You know, I'm reminded of uh, David in Psalm 16 verse 5. Wherein he says, the Lord is my portion. In Lamentation, Jeremiah cries out. He also says, the Lord is my portion. My dear brothers and sisters, is the Lord your portion? Is he an option in your life or is, is he a portion in your life? For most of us, he may become just an option if we don't set our priorities right. Priority of devoting or devotion to Jesus Christ. He might just remain an option. I challenge you and I challenge myself as I say this. Our highest priority is devotion to Jesus Christ. Else Jesus will only remain an option and not the good portion. Mary chose the good portion. Is Jesus the good portion in your life, my dear brothers and sisters? I don't need an answer. You just need to close your eyes and answer that for yourself. Is Jesus the good portion in your life? See, you might have a good job, but someday you'll retire. You might have a good car, but years down the line you will have to replace it. Nothing is permanent. You might have a lot of money. When you die, you're not going to take that in heaven. Nothing is permanent here. Absolutely nothing. What remains is Christ Jesus. What remains in your life is the word that we have. What remains with you forever is the promises that the scripture gives to each and every one of us. I heard the statement, true success in life comes from the life that is submissive to the word of God. True success in life comes from the life that is submissive to the word of God. And this particular success that we are talking about, the world will not understand. The world will never be able to understand what the success we are talking about. Submissive, submissiveness to the word of God. But it will definitely be a success because that has eternal benefits in your life. When you submit yourself to Jesus Christ, you will have eternal benefits that you will reap even when you die. That is the only thing that you can take back to heaven. You know, I was talking to someone and uh, you know, he gave us this particular statement. When we go to heaven, we will have glorified bodies. Okay? But our God will still have scars in his hand. You know what does that mean? We will worship with him, but he will always have that scars to remind us what he did and why, how we have reached there. You know, that's how much he loved us. The scars that he carries is the very reason you and me are sitting here. And one day we'll see those scars and we'll say, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for your work on the cross. I was so encouraged this morning when the statement was made. The only thing that we contributed to our salvation was our sins. There's absolutely nothing that we have done to earn the love of Jesus Christ. He just gave it freely. The grace that flowed down from the cross came to us freely. But at a price which Jesus paid. So I'll just close with a few points. Life is short, so choose your priorities carefully, prayerfully, and deliberately. Being busy doesn't equal godliness. 
you know sometimes we might be busy with lot of activities in the church but that doesn't equate godliness you need to examine your heart truly as to why you are doing things what is the motive behind each and everything is the is your desire to be devoted to Christ Jesus and all the things are the subset to that your act of service is a subset because subset to your devotion to Jesus Christ you want to help out in church is a subset because you're truly devoted in the word of god every action that you do is a subset to your main priority the highest priority that is being devoted to Christ Jesus lastly i'll just say a word of encouragement grace knows no boundaries regardless of your past your gender your sin your position the gospel is for everyone if you don't have this experience with god this 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 born with him that gives you a free access to your savior then this is the time all you need to do is close your eyes and say you know what lord i believe that you died for me i believe that you took my sins on the cross i believe when every drop of your blood that was shed cleansed me from my sins forever and i believe that you rose again on the third day grace knows no boundaries i'm very sure by scripture guarantees that your you will have a place in heaven and you will have access to this god whom you can reach out when you, without any issues our god is available at all times let's pray our gracious heavenly father lord thank you lord for this time thank you lord for allowing all of us to gather here and to publicly proclaim your name and say thank you lord for the things that you have done lord especially this moment lord we look up to the cross and we remember your son who was hanging on the tree bearing all our sin not just died but he rose again on the third day and lord we know that you're going to come soon lord we are we know that one day you will come in all your glory and lord we are waiting for that day but till that day comes lord help us help each and every one of us to set our priorities right to remember the highest priority in a life of a believer is nothing but being devoted to you lord lord if any one of us is struggling with this lord we pray that you speak to them individually lord we pray that you speak to them so that they may set their priorities right they may realize that the best place that they can have is at your feet like what mary did lord we don't want you to be an option but we want you to be the good portion in our life Lord help CBF as a family let every member of CBF be able to say the lord is my portion lord till we meet again lord be with us we want to give you all glory and honor in jesus christ most precious name i pray amen